practicing lawyer, and I will try to answer your questions now here at WGN 312-981-7200. Give us a call. You'll probably put a little bit of a synopsis together, and you'll talk to my producer, and we'll get you on the air. If you do not want to talk to me on the air, and would you rather talk to me uh, on in my office, uh, you can call me there at 312 312- Three three two seven eight hundred. I return all calls and or emails. Um, and if I can't help you, I'll try to find you a lawyer, try to find you a place, try to find you a website, or try to steer you in the right direction. I try my best to do that. And over the years, I've had a lot of um, good people uh, who I've referred business to, and they I know they're they're trustworthy. I know they're good lawyers. I know they're competent, and I'm very uh, confident in making those referrals uh, to make sure that you get the person who's best for your job. Because in this big city, there's a lot of lawyers. And how do you know who to go to? Um, Call me and I'll be happy to help you with that. Also, my email address is probably the best way to do it. And that's WGN at AskKarenConti.com. A-S-K-K-A-R-E-N-C-O-N-T-I. WGN at AskKarenConti.com. Let's go to Eileen. Hi, Eileen. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. What's your legal question? Well, on um, August, I mean, April of 2014, I was divorced. And uh, in the, the judgment, he was to get my name off of the um, mortgage in the house. And then I did a quick claim. And he, but apparently on, well, on Tuesday, I received uh, a summons for foreclosure. Oh. And he, so I looked on the quarter of deeds and my name's still on the title, but oh it shouldn't goodness. be. Yeah. And I have the divorce decree right in front of me where it says he was supposed to get my name off. Eileen, this is actually, I have a client right now who has that exact same problem. And it was uh, it was about the same amount of time that you're talking about. So I'm just going to say generally words to everyone out there. If you are in a divorce and the, your uh, ex is supposed to take your name off the mortgage by refinancing and removing that in your name, make sure it's done because and demand proof of it. Uh, because this is a really bad situation because you, the mortgage company, can come right after you, even though you are technically not supposed to be an owner of this uh, property, the mortgage company doesn't care. They're going to go after both of you. So I think what you need to do is, um, in a case like this, I think you may be very smart to... um, uh, get a lawyer at this point. And I don't always say get a lawyer, but at this point you need someone to intervene and force the sale of this property. Now, is he, if he, is he in there just not paying his mortgage, do you think? Do you know why he's not paying? No, uh, he is um, actually living with his girlfriend in Washington. And so the house is vacant. Well, that's ridiculous. I mean, someone should put it on the market and try to short sell it or, you know, you can work with the banks on these foreclosure cases, but I assume that he's just not paid attention to the notices um, of late payment and all that kind of thing. Yeah, I think, Eileen, why don't you give me a call at the office? Let me see. I want to ask you some more detailed questions that I don't want to ask you on air about, you know, what county you're in, who the judge is, and what the bank is, and and how many months in in arrears uh, the, the property is because you can go to court into the divorce case. You can um, maybe force the sale or do something where you can can take control and do some damage control because a foreclosure is going to result in a judgment against both of you. It's going to result in attorney's fees and penalties, and it could be uh, something that stays with you and is a real problem, and and you need to take the bull by the horns here. 
Yeah, I'm sorry to say that, but um, you need to get aggressive here. Uh, thank you for the call, Eileen. I, I, okay, and I'll you. give out my number again. Um, okay. Let's see. Uh, that is 312-332-7800. And you can call now and just leave a message uh, and also email WGN at com. Let us go to Eddie. Hi, Eddie. Welcome to the show. What's your legal question? Thank you for taking my call, Ms. Conti. Sure. I have a quick question. My my younger brother, we're 90% sure he has dementia, and he's currently in a memory care center. And it, back in December, I acquired an attorney to get power of attorney, and the papers were all drawn up, and then one of his kids disputed it. But we want to get, my mother and I want to get him closer to a nursing home, closer to her, and there's also a life insurance annuity that he put his pension contributions in. Someone mentioned to me, if there's a dispute with a power of attorney, you can perhaps go before a judge and get a a guardianship order. Yes, because Um, the problem now is that your brother, and I'm sorry, uh, sorry about this situation. It's a very difficult situation. Um, The problem is that he probably is not competent to actually execute a power of attorney, giving you the right to make decisions. Is that fair to say? Yes, his neuro his neuro doctor said uh, to the administrator of the nursing home, we have to make a decision because he cannot make decisions for himself anymore. Right, and this is so important for everyone to have a power of attorney for medical and for financial decisions because this puts family in a situation where you're battling maybe the kids, the kids want the right to do this, you want a right to do this. Um, so yeah, you can go and get a guardianship and you'd have to get a doctor on board to say that he's not competent to do this. Um, but, and it's, and it does get complicated, but it, are you at odds with his, uh, children on what strategy to take? Or are you guys all in lockstep? Well, the only reason we're at odds is because there's zero communication with his two children. He doesn't talk, they don't talk to me and they don't talk to their grandmother, my mother, our mother. And so he's just sitting there, you know, in limbo, and he, he, he doesn't understand anything. He thinks he's in a hotel with three, three meals a day, and he's having a good time, but his, he's, he's <laughs> yeah. losing his memory. Yeah. We just want to do what's best for him. Yeah, there's he definitely... worked his whole life as a teacher, and we didn't realize he was sick up yeah. until, like, uh, 18 months ago. Well, why don't you so. do this? Give me a call. I've got uh, I've got a list. I've got a, actually a referral list that I've worked on over the 20-year period uh, that I've been doing radio, and uh, I've got several uh, suggestions of people who can go and get this done for you. So I'm happy to share those people with you, okay. depending on what county you're in and all those kinds of things. So why don't you uh, send me an email? It's probably the best way, and I can forward that information to you tomorrow. God and that's, bless you. Thank sure. you for your assistance. Sure, Eddie. I, I wish you the best and I wish your brother the best and um, I'm going to give you that uh, email address. It's WGN at AskKarenConti.com WGN at AskKarenConti.com Do we have time? Yeah, we have time. Let's go to Mike. Hi, Mike. Welcome to WGN. You're on the air. Hi, Mike. Hello, Mike. Is he there? Mike's there, but oh, he should be there. Uh, Mike may have just uh, walked away thinking he was going to be on hold forever. Um, okay, so I'm going to put you on hold, Mike, and we'll come back. Let's go to Joe. Hi, Joe. Welcome to WGN. Hi. Um, I have a question concerning um, defense attorneys. I was always wondering how they schedule their payments. Let's say they have a potential 
client and this guy's looking at life in prison or something, how do they, do they, do they structure a, a deal beforehand or how, how does that work? Generally speaking, and I'm, I'm you know, all lawyers uh, charge in different ways. Uh, that, you know, personal injury lawyers will take it on a contingent basis, meaning if you don't get uh, a verdict or a settlement, then the lawyer doesn't get paid. Family law lawyers generally charge by the hour. Criminal defense lawyers do a number of things. Generally, they get their money up front, Joe. And the reason is just what you're saying, because they can't, right. you know, they can't guarantee that someone's going to be out working if the person goes to jail. And lawyers want their money up front because they don't want to chase their clients and don't want to have to sue them. And, and, and they don't also don't want to leave them high and dry and say, you haven't paid me. Now I'm going to withdraw two days before trial. Um, that would okay. be unethical to do it, do that in such a severe way. So generally, the, the, the defense lawyer will take a lump sum payment up front and sometimes we'll maybe break it up in two that there's one payment, you know, at the beginning of this month and another payment at the beginning of that month. Um, and sometimes the, the, uh, the agreement, and it should all be in writing, a lawyer's uh, agreement for payment should be in writing so you know clearly what you're up against, is sometimes it's this amount of money, say it's $10,000, but if the case goes to trial, the case then is then it's an additional 5000 or something like that. I just made up those numbers. And depending on the okay. serious nature of the, of the uh, charges, it, you know, it's, it could be obviously a lot more. But when you when you have a case like this, the lawyers try to price it and try to figure out what it would cost by the hour to do it. And most lawyers um, are pretty good at that. Um, but that's generally how it works. Upfront is generally the way it works. Okay. Well, thank you very much. All right. Much, all right. Thanks. Thanks, okay. Joe. And I, I guess I just want to say one more thing about that. Um, when you have a criminal matter, it's obviously very important to you. And I'm going to say the same thing when it comes to a divorce or some, a personal injury. You know, you, you want to get the right lawyer, but it's not the time to, to get the cheapest lawyer. It's not the time to say, oh, this person's $2,000 less because there's a whole, um, you know, Lawyers will try to undercut each other, and you want to get the best lawyer possible, and you want to get somebody like me to give you some advice about who might be that best lawyer or somebody, let's say you have a divorce um, lawyer or you have a real estate lawyer, you should go to that attorney and say, listen, you know, give me your best uh, person and uh, and get a really good referral because once, once you are convicted of a crime, it's very difficult to undo that when it comes to an appeal. I'm going to take a break now, but I come back. We're going to be taking more of your legal questions here on WGN 312-981-7200. I have a texture from 847 who said that I heard that male professional sports players will have females sign a type of consent form before sexual activity. Would that form suffice? Should college guys do this? Yeah, I don't think they will, but they could. And would it be hard for someone to argue that you were raped if you signed a consent form? Well, I guess that would be helpful unless, of course, the woman would argue that she was drunk when she signed it. Uh, so I guess I just think that when it comes to alcohol of any type, you just don't know how drunk somebody is. When someone's in a blackout mode, they um, may act completely normal and completely rational and then not remember anything at all and not have the ability to consent. It's a very dangerous thing to mix alcohol and sex when it comes to a college campus, at least that's my opinion. But again, you know, you really have to talk to your kids about this and tell them how serious it is and how it could affect them for the very, you know, the rest of their lives. 
Um, let uh, I had a caller this week who said that I am getting a lump sum settlement in my divorce instead of spousal support, and he's keeping the house. I guess there's going to be a big payment of money to her in lieu of all that. And the question is, do I have to pay taxes on it? Uh, and the answer is no. And the reason that you, you know, we usually have to pay taxes on pretty much everything in life, um, but uh, when it comes to a divorce settlement, because half of it, this marital estate, as we call it, which means the assets of the estate, are technically yours to begin with, even if they're not in your name, that when you split it up, there's no tax ramification because they're just dividing up stuff that you already own. Whereas, uh, you know, when you get paid by, um, you know, a personal injury settlement or something like that, that might be in lieu of income and that could be taxable. And that's something that you seriously want to talk to a tax lawyer or an accountant uh, after you get a settlement like that. But in a divorce, if you're splitting up property, it's generally not taxable because it was yours to begin with. Um, another interesting family law question I got through a texter from the 630 area code. Um, my ex and I were divorced in 1994. She is now remarried and took her, she, she remarried and took her new husband's name, but when they divorced, she took my name back, my last name back. Can she do that? It's not even her name. Uh, I'm remarried and it's confusing for people in my small town in central Illinois. Um, yeah, that she can do that. She can take whatever name she wants. And even though it wasn't her maiden name, and if it, even though it wasn't her second married name, she can revert to that as she wants, and you have no control over what name she uses. And one step further, I tell people who are getting divorced, if you are thinking about reverting to your maiden name, uh, you should make sure you put that in your divorce decree that you reserve the right to use your maiden name, and usually you spell it out in the papers. Why would you do that in your divorce? Because maybe you don't want to really do it right away. Say the kids are still in school and it's important for you to have the same name, perhaps as your children, but you might want to do it in the future. Then you can take that document and have your name changed as opposed to doing a full-blown legal name change, which is not very involved, but it still uh, entails filing paperwork, paying a fee, and going to court to get the uh, official right to change your name. So do it while you're getting divorced. You reserve the right to do it. You're not forced to do it, but it saves you a step if you ever want to go back to your maiden name. Let's go to Joe. Hi, Joe. Welcome to WGN. What's your legal question? You mentioned that uh, a sexual contract, uh, one would claim that she was drunk when she signed it. I've never heard of any contract being nullified because the person was drunk when he signed it. If you sign a contract, you sign a contract. Going back and saying, I was drunk when I bought that certain thing I couldn't afford or whatever, or did something I shouldn't have done. It's not, it doesn't nullify a contract. Well, I don't know why it would in this situation. You know, you're right. Although I have seen uh, courts really stretch that defense when it comes to people who are in relationships, when it comes to younger people, and when it comes to sex. And even in a divorce yeah. setting, you know, the judges are very careful when they, um, uh, when a decree is entered, you go to court and they, the judge and the lawyers will ask, you know, are you on alcohol? Are you, are you taking drugs? Are you emotionally stable enough to, to agree to this? Do you agree to be bound by this? Do you understand it? Do you understand the terms and the ramifications? And, and people are asked that because they're very emotionally involved and it gets very stressful. So in a case like this, I, I really wasn't being facetious. I think that 
you know, it could be, let's just say, I mean, picture, picture, a, 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 you know, some sort of kegger party and the guy pulls out a, you know, a, a, some sort of contract and she's drunk out of her mind and she scrawls her name on it. I mean, is that a valid consent form? You know, I don't know. I, could, I don't know, but you, it also seems, you know, it's never the question of whether a guy is drunk, is, is he consensually committing the sex? You know, it's sort of a one-sided thing in the law there. Oh, I was, I didn't mean to do that. I was drunk. You know I mean, you're right. It's an excuse for a woman, but it's not an excuse for a guy. You're, you're right. Uh, but I, and we're supposed to have equality now. You know, women are supposed to be these sensitive, uh, uh, weak creatures who can't think for themselves anymore. We've gotten past that, right? Women and men and women are equal. Well, they start treating us equal, you know? Yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying, and... Um, and to some extent, I agree with you. But the question here is, do you really want to fight it? I mean, we should fight it in the legislature. We should fight it somewhere else. But when you're in that situation, you don't want it to happen to your kid or you. You know, you want you, you, the perception is going to be what it is. And again, yeah. the perception you're, you're is right. going to be you're that right. a college kid, the big strap in football player is has taken advantage of. Of the poor woman, you're right. Yeah, but I, I hear what you're saying, um, and it's, and it's a it's an interesting debate that will continue to go on after after uh, the meet during the Me Too movement. I guess we're still in it. But thank you for the call. I was in my twenties in the eighties. Yeah, <laughs> yeah have a good one. <laughs> All right, you take care. Let's go to Sandra. Hi, Sandra. Welcome to WGN. Oh, hi. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I had a question about transferring a house out of a trust after someone has passed away. Um, my brother's the executive of the trust, and uh, we're just wondering how to go about doing that. Okay, so he's is he the trustee of the trust? That's probably, or the executor of the will? But in any event, he's... the he's, executor of the will. Okay, so in the, the house is in the name of a trust right now? Right. Okay. Correct. So. Yes. So it just needs to be quit claimed. It's not quick claimed. A lot of people say quick claim, but it's quit claimed because you quit your interest, Q-U-I-T. And it's a document that is uh, a very uh, short document. It gives the legal description of the property. And you say the the house at such and such legal description in the name of the trust. And you put the trust name is transferring it to whoever, whomever the... Um, the beneficiary is, and then that gets filed and it gets recorded by the recorder of deeds. Now, is there an attorney who is involved in this? Uh, no. Okay. That's what I was, we were wondering, do we need an attorney or is this something we can do on our own? You can do it on your own. Um, it wouldn't be that much money to get a lawyer to do it. I have a lawyer who's in my office suite who I think charges $200 to do it, including the filing of it. So if I were you, I would get a lawyer to do it because you don't want that to be messed up. And um, it's, you know, it's not that much money to have it done. If you want to give me a call, I can, I'm happy to refer you to um, the the, uh, real estate lawyer who can get that done for you. All right. right. And I'll get, sure. And I'll give out, I'm going to put you on hold and I'll give out my email address. The best way to do it is to email me, Sandra, because then I can immediately just send you his information. Uh, That's WGN at askkarenconti.com. That's A-S-K-K-A-R-E-N-C-O-N-T-I. We'll be back in a minute, and we'll be continuing to take your legal questions here. 312-981-7200.
Welcome back. I'm taking your legal questions to the bitter end here. 312-981-7200, 312-981-7200. I had uh, an email this week, and I and just, just so you know, if you email me, uh, I and I think it's an interesting question. I always ask if it's okay if I use it on air to talk about it. I always get permission so I don't just um, indiscriminately start talking about your legal questions on the air. And I always change the name unless you specifically say, use my name, um, just so you know. I took a family member to court for a loan and he that he refused to pay. The judgment is for $10,000. How long does he have to pay the judgment? Well, the problem is, and you've heard me talk about this many times on my show, once you get the judgment, the fun has just begun because there is no time limit by which a person has to pay a judgment. A judgment is out there. It's collecting 9% interest per annum, which is a very high interest rate, but you have to take steps to collect it because no one is going to put you in jail. No one's going to take you back to court and scold you. It's uh, something that you need to do to collect the debt, and that would be number one. You could call the person in on what we call a citation, which means you bring them into court and you ask them questions about where their bank accounts are and what their assets are. There is a procedure you can garnish their wages if they're working, where a certain percentage of their uh, income is garnished and sent to you. It's very complicated to do that. Even lawyers who are seasoned lawyers like myself, I, I, I would have a hard time navigating that system. And finally, uh, you could garnish actual bank accounts and put liens on homes and things like that. Uh, again, it's a little complicated. You can work your way through that process, but it's very difficult. $10,000 judgment is, you know, it's a lot of money. I'm not saying it isn't, but hiring a lawyer to collect that may not be easy because you might end up paying a lawyer more to collect it than it than than the $10,000 is. Some lawyers will take those on a contingent basis, but would a lawyer take this for all the work for $3,000? I'm not sure. So whenever you get a judgment, whenever you decide to bring a claim, make sure that person is collectible, make sure that person has assets and a job and something to collect from. Otherwise, you're going to have a judgment, which is awful nice, but it may not do you any good in the long run. Let us go to, um, I don't know what the name is, but I'm going to find out. Hi, welcome to WGN. What's your name? Hi. Oh, okay. Nope. Okay. Uh, hi, are you, welcome to WGN. Yes, hi, how are you today? Hi, what's your name? Yes, my name is Dial, D-I-A-L. I'm driving from Chicago going to Michigan now where I live. Oh, okay, well, drive carefully, but you can still talk to me. What's your legal question? Uh, so my legal question is my daughter is age 24. I'm divorced now, and in our divorce decree, um, our home is to uh, half to me and half to Mr. T- um, the person that I was formerly married to. So in my living trust, I put my portion of the home in my living trust. And if I'm not mistaken, does the does the legal trust supersede as whereas half of the home will go to my former spouse or will the um, divorce decree supersede as whereas my half of the home goes to our only child? Okay, so let me ask you this question. Who, where, what is the house doing now? Is it, did, did the judge order that the house be sold and the proceeds split? Yes. 
Yes, but okay. um, right now I'm living in it because um, we're taking we're still taking care of that daughter. She she graduated from college, amen, but she decided to move to New York. That very expensive. So my former spouse is just letting me stay there, and I pay the taxes, the insurance, and the maintenance and things of that nature. Okay. So you're you're want you want to know whether you should put your p- portion of that into a trust for your daughter. Right, it's already in the living trust. I already did it. Okay. And I think that's fine because it I mean, I did you have a lawyer do this? Yes. Okay. Yes. So yeah, we have I had an attorney. Okay, so that's good. So he, so the lawyer probably worded it correctly to say whatever interest you have because you don't have an interest necessarily in a hundred percent of it right now, um, you you know because at some point it's going to be sold. So any proceeds, I'm sure your lawyer put in there the house, the house, and any proceeds from that house sale will go to your daughter. Is that do you, do you know if that language is in there? I, I have to check. I truly have to check because if I pass away right now, you know, I do want her to have you know her portion, which is my portion of the proceeds. But if it happens, is whereas he gets the whole house, I mean, I, I okay. have to be okay with it because I'm going to heaven. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure you are, and I hope you take with me with you, but not right now. Um, so, right, right, right. Not right now. We got work to do. No, we got a lot of stuff to do before that. Um, no, this, the, I understand what you're asking. You're asking which, like, w- if you were to die, would he then get all of it and take it out of the trust? No. Your estate you know, your estate, when you die, you have an estate, meaning like what is in it, like the debts and the assets. So your that half of the house would be in your estate and your daughter would have a right to have that half. And she could actually, on your behalf, compel the sale of the home and get that 50% for hers. Yes, that's, that's right. You're, yeah, that's, that's, that is, uh, you're safe with that. Right. Okay. And then I have one more question. Is that okay? Sure. Okay, so my final question is, okay, so she's age 24, okay? I have 401Ks, I have CDs, I have cash, I have life insurances, okay? Um, Everything is in my trust except for one of my 401Ks is whereas it's going to go to my parents and her, 33%, you know, a third of each of those. My question is, how is this world going my question is, um, the question I have is, we, we set it up for her to get it at 30, at 35, and 40. And I put not only my life insurance, but I put my 401k in the living trust also. It was, did I do okay by doing that? Sure. And, and I'm sure you're, you had competent counsel. And you have, who's the trustee? You don't have to tell me the name, but is it a family member who's the trustee? Yes, it's my god sister and my mom. Okay, so that they're they're going to be the ones who hold that money for your daughter, and that's I think a very smart thing to do to not have her have all of that money right away. You never want anyone who's in a young situation to do that. Um, the other thing that you know, I, I, I have a bunch of things to say about this. Um, you can always talk to your kids about this very issue. It sounds like you've done a good job of saving money and leaving something for your child. Good for you, but. You should talk to your daughter, too, about when she gets married to always make sure that whatever she gets from an inheritance stays in her name only and is segregated in an account with in her name only. Why? Because if she takes that money Amen. and buys a house, 
if she puts it into a joint bank account, if she takes it and does renovations on a house that the two of them own, then when she gets divorced, all of that money goes half and half to the parties, regardless of where the source of that money was. So tell her that if she ever gets that money, keep it safe. Keep it in her name only, and do not commingle uh, the money. And you can always Google that. And I don't know if you're, do you live in Michigan or Illinois? In Michigan. Okay, so you're going to want to look up Michigan law on that and what it means to commingle so that she knows uh, what she can and cannot do to keep that money safe. Okay? Okay, will do. And I appreciate you, and thank you for all of your education, your knowledge, and and willing to share it. And and may you always be spiritually blessed. We got work to do, and when we get to heaven, he's going to open up the door, and we're going to be okay. Oh, that's so nice of you, Dial. Thank you. Drive carefully. Okay, Okay, take care. Nice lady. And um, she seems like she has really uh, thought out her situation very well, which is good. It's nice to see people who want to plan for the future. And, you know, no one wants to think about their death. And last week I had on uh, Christian Manali, who is my favorite estate planning attorney, and it's got so many calls and and it was very interesting. But, But what's interesting about it is people say they want a will and then they never get it. And then you have a a disaster of a a problem. And it's really, I'll tell you, you know, once you've made your will or state plan, you feel so much better because you know everything's taken care of. You know you've done everything you can to to leave your, um, to leave it, you know, to leave everything clean so that your family doesn't have problems. Anyway, um, I had a texter. Uh, I was in a car accident where the other driver was at fault. I retained a lawyer and am suing for a broken arm and neck injuries. There is a traffic case against the guy who hit me. Should I go to court when the case is scheduled? Does it matter? Uh, wanting you know to know if that is something that they should spend their time on. And the answer is yes. And your personal injury lawyer will probably tell you the answer is yes. And why is that? Because you want to make sure that the person who hits you is found to be guilty of violating a traffic law. Now, if the person, if it's pretty clear that there's liability, you know, maybe it's not necessary, but I would go there and make sure that you tell the state's attorney, the the prosecuting lawyer, the city lawyer, whoever's there prosecuting, that you want to make sure that there is a guilty so he it will go on his record that he uh, is the person at fault because then your personal injury lawyer can take that guilty Uh, that guilt and bring it into the civil case as a matter of law the jury will then be told because the person was convicted of this traffic offense there is no reason to try the issue of who's liable because it's he's liable and then the only issue is damages frankly that what will happen is the case will then settle because there's no issue as to to who's liable so that's uh that's my best advice um Finally, I'm thinking about getting divorced. If I file, does one of us necessarily have to leave the house? If so, who gets to stay? I want to stay there and keep the children in their home. That's something that a lot of people are very concerned about, the home being you know, usually one of the bigger assets in the marriage. When you get divorced, you can still stay in the home together. There's nothing that keeps you there. If there's domestic violence, obviously that's not a good idea. But if you can coexist there, it's probably a good idea to do that, keep the kids together with you as long as you're not fighting. And it's also cheaper. And during a divorce, it can be very expensive if you're fighting about things. So you can stay in the house. And then who gets the house? If you can't agree, the judge will have the house sold and the proceeds divided. 
Uh, you can keep the house and buy him out. He can keep the house and buy you out. Uh, you can have all kinds of different arrangements that you stay there for a period of time until the kids are out of school, and then the house is sold. It's all up to the lawyers to negotiate. Uh, stay tuned for uh, Rick Kogan, who's up next. Thank you for listening, and we'll hear you back on the radio next Sunday 